If you have your Bibles, go ahead and get those out. We're going to be doing some work in Ephesians 4 tonight and Romans 8. Um, but Ephesians 4 is more so going to be where we're going to be tonight. So um, go ahead and get those out or your Bible apps on your phones. I know some of y'all got that. So we are, uh, we're excited, man. We're in this Unplugged series and uh, we want to kind of talk. This is, I, I wanna kind of try to introduce it into the Unplugged series a little bit, but it's kind of a standalone thing. And I think where we are right now as a, uh, a body and bear with me on this voice, I'm gonna work really hard to make it last the rest of tonight. Uh, and then I gotta save it for Sunday. So um, I'm always in trouble because um, during worship, I like to just sing my heart out. That's why I sit on the front row, because there's no one in front of me. Um, so they don't have to hear me sing. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I, uh, man, I, I just, I just love to give everything that I got. And like, we got into song number three, and I was like, my voice was running out in praise and worship. I was like, oh man, I gotta stop singing, because I ain't gonna have nothing left if I don't hurry up. <laughs> so, um, but man, Ephesians 4, let's do it. We're gonna, we're, we have a lot of scripture to read tonight. We're gonna try to move through this very quickly. Um, Ephesians 4, starting in verse 1, it says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And then we're gonna jump down to verse 11. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In verse 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and the craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. For him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Every once in a while, I really like to do an expository type teaching where we just take a chunk of text and we just like to work our way through it. I love preaching in series and I love doing topical preaching like we typically do on a Sunday morning where we bring a topic to you and, and we kind of throw scriptures out that's going to help us move through that topic. But um, man, the word of God is sufficient in and of itself to walk us and navigate us through what we go through in life. And so Ephesians 4, we are going to talk about unity. Turn to your neighbor and say unity. Now turn the person you just neglected on the other side of you and tell them unity. They're looking at you like, yeah, you're saying unity now. You weren't saying unity a second ago when you ignored me completely. No, I'm just kidding. So let's start at verse one. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling. Everyone say calling. 
of the calling you have received. The first note that I want you to understand in Ephesians 4 is that your life is worthy of the call, that God has placed a call. He has placed a mandate on you. He has placed a mandate on you to do more than just work, for more than just a career. We have tons of uh, high schoolers that are coming out of high school right now, and they don't know what they want to do with their life. And every parent that I've met with so far of teenagers in our church is pressuring them to make a decision that is going to affect the rest of their life, whether it's debt or whether it's career. And half of them have no idea as to what they want to do. And most of them, when I finally pin the parents down, it's because the parents want to brag about where their kid is going more than they want their kid to go there. God has a plan, a specific plan set in motion for you already. All you got to do is not screw it up. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't screw it up. Edit that from the podcast before pastor catches it. You know what I'm saying? No, like don't screw it up. So a life worthy of the calling as a prisoner for then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. And I want you to understand that Paul is not re, uh, so Paul is in prison and he's in Rome writing in Ephesians four. And so uh, I think one of the things that we have to understand is that Paul is communicating a very specific message here in this part. And the specific message is this, because this, I, I think that we as believers tend to, to start getting things messed up out of the gate, right? What do you mean by that? What I mean by that is this. <laughs> we all want to accomplish great things in Christ, but we don't want to go through what it takes to accomplish great things in Christ. So Paul is in prison, right? What, what would we be asking for if we were in prison? Freedom. By God, get me out of this place, right? Like I ain't trying to room with big text no more. Like you need to get me out of here. Right, we, would be, we would be writing for help. We would be writing for aid. We would be, uh, make sure you send me some supplies. Man, send me enough deodorant for every person in here because it's funky. Like, whatever, like, just whatever you got. Like, like, some of y'all know what I'm talking about, you know? So some of y'all got teenagers just handing out deodorant for no reason. Here you go, here you go. But Paul is not doing that. What is Paul doing? Observe this, because this is what Paul is doing. So Paul is not requesting help or aid, more so he is writing with direction. So from a place of persecution, from a place of discomfort, he is writing this, observe this, Christians ought to accommodate themselves to the gospel by which they are called and to the glory to which they are called, both are their vocation which are, we are called Christians. We must answer that name and live like Christians. We are called to God's kingdom and glory, that kingdom and glory. Therefore, we must mind as, or, and walk as we become the heirs of him. We have to be careful as believers not to pursue everything in life that Jesus has never set us out to accomplish the greatest tragedy for believers is that we accomplish nothing for the kingdom, but set out and accomplish everything that we were never called to do. And when I talk to young people, even when I talk to young adults, I encourage them constantly, stop trying to accomplish the things that don't matter. It, you were never called to do that. You were never called to be famous. You were never, like, and someone were like, you don't know that. I'm like, trust me, you're 27 years old. If you were gonna be famous, you would be by now, and you're not, so... Stop. 
right? right? Like there, there is something in you that is driving you. And so we have to take a step back. Romans 8, 1 through 4 says this. I'm constantly encouraged by Romans 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteousness requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live this last part. I read all that for you to get this last part. Uh, who, talking about us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And what I wanna encourage you guys in today and, and with this Unplugged series and everything that we're going through is I want you to constantly assess what it is in life that you are striving to accomplish, that you are striving to do and how much of it is centered on and built in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus. I, I, I'll ask you this question. How much of your life is completely centered on and ruled by the gospel? The good news of Christ. What is it that you're accomplishing? Because the gospel is more than what saves us. The gospel is what transforms us. It is what leads us. It is what guides us. It is what directs us. And I never had a good grasp on that until I got put into a position in life where I either had to admit that God was not sovereign and he was not holy and he was not good or he is absolutely sovereign, he is absolutely holy and he is absolutely good but that the gospel is gonna ask something of me that I would never voluntarily give myself. And how many of us are coming into opportunities and we're coming into moments and we're coming into times and we brush up against something in our life and God gives us the opportunity, hey, if you do this, you're gonna maybe make less money. You're gonna have to choose a different career. You're gonna have to, everything you worked for is gonna be nothing compared to what I wanna do in you. And what do we do? We go, well, that's not what I had in mind. So we just do our own thing. Because I can promise you this, the gospel rarely leads to fame and it rarely leads to riches and it rarely leads to everything that we want for ourselves. Because I don't know about you, but I'm not a very good rule follower and I'm also not very good about picking the best things for me. Like how many guys will admit that all the things that we usually pick for ourselves end up in a disaster, <laughs> right? If you're not raising your hand, I'm gonna reference past relationships. See what I'm saying? I got all y'all. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about him. You know what I'm saying? So I like, should have checked that one at the door. But, right, like, man, we have to recognize that what our flesh wants is rarely what our spirit needs. And so I don't say that as a way to try to encourage you to uh, abandon everything in life. Right? Every time I talk about this, people are like, well, I'm just going to quit my job. I'm like, no, don't. That's not what I'm talking about. Like, don't start quitting jobs. What I'm telling you is you need to earnestly seek after what God wants for you more than just what you want for yourself. Because God's purpose and plan has to be fulfilled in your life. And then as you pursue what God wants for you, it changes your attempt to seek peace within the body, right? So verses three through five, going back to Ephesians four, says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, 
just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There is one body, there is one peace. And I wanna encourage you today that if you are, I'm gonna tell you right now, if you're looking for the perfect church, you just messed it up when you walked through the door. Because the church stops being perfect when we show up. Like, the staff will tell, I know all of you congregants think that I am just awesome. See what I'm saying? But y'all don't work here. Because the staff will tell you the other part of me, right? I get eye rolls daily from the ladies on our staff. Where you at, Heather? She'll tell you, right? Working for me ain't all that fun sometimes, right? But what I mean by that, man, when we walk into the building, we automatically eliminate perfection, right? Because I don't know about you, but I come with problems. Like, I come with baggage. I come with issues. And I'm not always right. Staff, write down this moment in time. It's 8.03, Wednesday, June, whatever. I'm not always right. And sometimes... Sometimes when it comes to the body, see, when we start seeking out what the Spirit wants for us as opposed to what we want for ourselves, then we can put on the mind of Christ. And as we put on the mind of Christ, we can be more focused on unity within the body of Christ instead of what we want from the body of Christ. See, it says that we are to come in so that we can present ourselves. We should be coming so that we can aid the body. We should be coming in so that we can become part of a bigger unit, so that we can, apart, uh, we can accomplish a bigger mission so that we can impact a bigger sphere, so that we can carry a bigger burden, so that we can do more. We gotta become less focused on what we think we should be getting from the body and become more focused on what we should be giving to the body. And so there's one body in one piece, Romans 8, going back to Romans 8, 12 through 13, says, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh, going back to Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 5, it is not to the flesh to live according to it, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die, but by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, and you will live that we have to make every attempt in unity for the body and for peace, man. And we are not a church of wars, but as we grow, more people come. And when there's more people, there's more problems. It's like, like the Puff Daddy hit, you know what I'm saying? Like, more money, more problems. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Some of y'all teenagers are like, who? He changed his name like five times. I don't know what it is anymore, but... Totally different. Anyways, so we get into Ephesians 4, 14 and 15, because the third thing I want you to understand is that then once we put on the spirit and we take off the flesh, once we put on the spirit of God, and we're no longer thinking with the fleshly mind of God, and then we step into one body and we step into one piece, and that becomes our absolute focus, then we can see and we can act clearly, verses 14 and 15 of Ephesians 4, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, folks. I'm gonna read that again. Then we will, be no, we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves. How many grown men and women are out there being tossed around like rag dolls, either by people or by the enemy or by situations? Every other day they're depressed and then they're happy, they're upset and then they're mad and then they're joyous and they're laughing and then they're crying and they're constantly being tossed around. Why? Because they haven't even put on the mind of Christ. Everything in life affects them. Like, 
their job. If everything, if it's a good day at work, then everything's a good day. If it's a bad day at work, everything's a bad day. There's no consistency in their emotions. There's no consistency in their actions. And we wonder why the gospel is frozen in their life. That's because they haven't got past themselves long enough to figure out what God wants to do with them. And man, like verse 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves. It goes on to say, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. How many guys got some people in life that you honestly think are just up to no good? Right? Y'all got some friends out there that you're just like, man, I don't even trust this cat no more. I don't know what they're doing. Right? And when we put on that mind of Christ, then we're no longer tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there. So we have to recognize that when we put on the mind of Christ and, or, and we take off the focuses of the flesh and then we focus on one body, we focus on what we're trying to accomplish as a church, as a body, as a organism, as a, a mission and as a statement, and as what we're trying to do together within the gospel, as we work that out in our own vision and mission of what God is trying to accomplish in you as an individual, part of the organism, part of the body, part of the church, as he works that out in you and he starts to do those things and some things are going to come against you, but when you have on the mind of Christ, you're not going to be tossed to and fro like infants. You're going to be standing strong, knowing what the Lord has called you to, because even when we know what the Lord has called us to do, we start to doubt when the storms of life start to blow around us. Like I've been completely sure of what God wanted to do in my life until the, until the seas got so rough in life, I started doubting everything. Now I know that hasn't happened to any of you guys. I know y'all have just been smooth sailing through life. How many of y'all been tossed around by some waves here and there, right? Like life has come at you in an angle you didn't see it coming. Like it, you, you were looking left and it caught you with a right hook. Like, it, like man, like life is coming at you. So what we have to do is put our faith in Christ. Instead, speaking the truth and love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. I just want you guys to grab a hold of that. Instead, speaking the truth and love, talking about with each other, speaking truth and love with each other, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. In other words, we will become the fullness of the body of Christ, the fullness of the call of Christ. We will become everything that Jesus has set out to make us when we put on the mind of Christ, when we speak in love. Then Romans 8, 14 says, for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. I wanna say that again. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. Everyone say that with me. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. In other words, if you are not led by the spirit of God, I question whether or not you are a child of God. Because the Bible is even very specific. There are going to be people that are going to stand in front of God on judgment day and they're going to say, we prophesied your name. We did this and we did that. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. And if there are pastors and there are teachers and there are prophets that are gonna stand in front of God and God's gonna say, you are never mine, what makes you think that a casual Sunday attendance 
occasionally and no relationship with the Lord is going to get you through those gates. You can get your toes back later. I won't step on them anymore after that. Like, man, there is a unique call and draw. There's a passionate pursuit after those who are of God. And I did not bring this message to beat you up, but to realize that there is a purpose. There is a mission that God wants to accomplish in your life. And it hinges on the gospel being the very center of everything that you do. I remember before I got married to my amazing, beautiful, gorgeous. Is she in the room? No? Okay, good. Uh, my wife. <laughs> right? Uh, I remember before we got married, um, there came a moment in time where, um, for those of you that knew me back then, I'm terribly sorry. It was a big mess. Um, but <laughs> so uh, there was a moment in time where I was actually, I just, I was, I dated my wife, Ashley, for a while. We broke up and I was dating another girl for a while. And in dating this other young woman, um, I started praying and um, I, I'm just gonna be honest with you. I was a teenage boy, like it was bad, right? So I was just like, <laughs> like both of these women, ah, you know, like so. Um, but, but in that, right, uh, I remember my, my mother, who is such a queen of wisdom, came up to me and she said to me, I said, Mom, honestly, I, th I think I could marry either one of these women. Both of them were Christians, so we weren't having to deal with all that. I said, I think I could marry either one of them and I would you know, be happy. I said, I think I could live my entire life with either one of them. Like, I think I could, you know. And she said, and she asked me a question. Honest to God, she asked me this question. I said, I think I could spend the rest of my life with either one of them. She said, who could you not spend the rest of your life without? And without, with zero hesitation, I made up my mind right then, and it was done. Like, I, there, there were no more questions, because I knew, because I, I, I had people pray over me and prophesy over me and all these things that I was gonna travel the world and preach the gospel and those things are happening and are gonna continue to happen. But, but in that, they prayed that my wife was gonna be a pillar of strength for me who was going to support and pray for me no matter what came our way. I'm a, I'm a believer in the sovereignty of God, that God is supernatural and, and sovereign and in control of all things. And so... If God's plan was to put a baby boy in my life who um, he would allow, I want to be very careful with my words, who he would allow um, such a unique sickness to come into his life, and through that he would impact already hundreds and thousands of people for the gospel through this baby boy. Here's my thing. Had I married anyone else, I can't promise you that my marriage would have survived it. But in that moment, my mother encouraged me and I believe the Holy Spirit spoke through her into my life and said, you need to decide not only who do you love and not only all those things, but who does God want for you? You see folks, even my marriage, I surrendered to the gospel. 
So for you to doubt whether or not you should do that with your career, for you to doubt whether or not you should do that with anything else, is a terrible mistake because God wants to use every part of your life to draw people closer to himself. And so we can see and act clearly when we put on the mind of Christ. And so for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. It goes on to say, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Again, rather the spirit you receive brought about your adoption into sonship. I want everyone to say adoption. Your adoption into some shape. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Say God's children. We are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Everyone say heirs. We are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I thought that it was amazing. I remember talking to uh, when Tommy and Cindy first moved into our house and, and you know how pastor is like he gets a sermon out of anything. So he like, you know, we were talking to a friend and the friend was like, yeah, I found out something really interesting about adoption. And he said, it's crazy because in your will, like when you write out your will, right? When you uh, have natural um, children in your life, you can take them out of your will, all right? Parents, I see you looking at your children now, like, huh? See, told you, quit acting up, better do the dishes. No, but but you can take your children out of your will, but if you adopt children, you cannot remove them from your will. They get theirs no matter what. Let's go back to Romans 8. I I just think that that's awesome. Check it out. The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. In other words, once you've been brought into the adoption and the childhood of God, once you are now his, you cannot be removed from being his. And so we put on the mind so that we come, we put on the mind of Christ so that we can be unified with the body of Christ so that we can act and see clearly within what the gospel of Christ wants to do in another life so that the adoption into Christ allows us to walk out the very mission and accomplish the very purpose of Christ in our life. He wants to do more with you than you could ever think or imagine, but it is going to take surrender. It is going to take giving yourself up. It is going to take giving away the things that you hold so dearly. And if he wants to give them back, then he will give them back. But you have to put yourself in a place in complete surrender, knowing that God has a purpose and a plan to instill and do everything in your life that you want to do. When you die, do you want to be known as the person that played it safe? Or do you want to be known as the person that pursued Christ with everything that was in them? And so, man, we give over to God what he wants to accomplish in and through our life. So the phrase that I wanted to give you tonight is that it's very philosophical, centers on one of the Greek words. It's this phrase. You guys ready? Get over yourself. (laughs) Man, get over yourself and just give in to God. Give in to what he wants to do in you and through you. I just wrote this down. I said, the Lord has a message, the gospel has a mandate, and his people have a mission. Why? Because the lost need a Messiah. They need Christ. So man, can we take up that burden? I just wanna share this one last thing with you. Pastor grew up in the orange groves in central Florida down in Lakeland. 
And I remember uh, going down there when I was a young boy. And um, how many guys have ever read the um, read in the Bible where the Lord says that he's the root of David. Have you guys ever seen that? Has anybody ever looked at that and said, I wonder what that means? But you kept reading because you didn't feel like digging into it, neither did I, right? So we're just like, hmm. <clears throat> so here's the idea. Growing up in the Orange Groves, we found out something cool. Again, pastor makes a sermon out of anything. So we were there. And because I'm, I'm talking about sonship, like I'm talking about unity. Uh, and when we become unified with Christ, becoming unified with the body becomes very easy. When we become distracted by life, then becoming distracted from the body becomes very easy, right? Um, and so <clears throat> being unified with Christ, we found out that if a tree is bearing bad fruit, um, you can take the branches off of a tree that is bearing bad fruit and you can regraft those branches by tying them down and grafting them into a new root system so they will now develop healthy fruit. You guys getting where I'm going? So you can take bad roots and you can graft them into a new root system so that they will now start producing good fruit. I say that to encourage those of us that have a history of bad fruit. How many of y'all messed up a few times in here? A lot, so the rest of y'all, huh? Bunch of liars, right? So how many of y'all have done messed up? How many of y'all got some, like we've, we've created some bad fruit in life, right? God wants to take your bad branches. He wants to take your fruitless branches. He wants to graft you into a new root system. He wants to graft you into the gospel. He wants to graft you into Jesus. He wants to graft you into the family. He wants to adopt you so that you can't be taken out of the spiritual will. He wants to good purpose into your life. He wants to stir up a passion in your life so that the gospel can fulfill everything that Jesus died for it to fulfill. He wants to use you. He wants to purpose you. He wants to drive you. He wants to take you. <coughs> Excuse me. He wants to hold you. He wants to carry you. When you can't walk anymore, he wants to carry you. When you're strong enough to walk, he still wants to hold you. He wants to love you. He wants to pursue you. He wants you to pursue him. He wants it to be a passionate pursuit after the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in your life. Why? So that he can use you to touch a hurting and dying world. The gospel rests in your hands, folks. Can we make an agreement tonight that we're gonna use everything inside of us to see it advanced in ways that has not been advanced in before? Amen? All right, go and stand your feet. We'll get ready to dismiss you tonight. Man, we just wanna, I just wanna pray for you and, and, uh, and thank you. We want to. I wanted to leave just a moment at the end of the service because, man, we think our uh, our community has been rattled um, with by the life of Naomi. Um, if, if you've been living under a rock, um, uh, a young lady in our community uh, came up missing, and then she was 
her body was found. And so, man, we just, our community is reeling right now. And as a matter of fact, one of the young ladies that I went to high school with, uh, her husband, very young, 33 years old, just passed away of a heart attack with four little kids. And, and so, man, there, there seems to be some grieving. And so as we close out tonight, we just wanna pray for our community, pray for those that are hurting, pray for the Jones family. Um, and pray for some of these others that are just going through very difficult times uh, in their life right now. And so we're gonna pray for uh, our community uh, and then we're going to stop and then I'm gonna pray over you as we get ready to leave tonight, all right? So let's just do that. Father, we just thank you tonight, God. We just come to you, Lord, and, uh, and we pray right now for those in our community that are hurting. God, such a senseless act God, that we, uh, we can't make sense of, Father, but the world revolves at your word. And so, God, we just pray right now for Naomi's family. Father, that you bring peace into their hearts. God, in a time like this, answers don't matter because the pain is still too great. And so God, before they seek answers, I pray that you, God, would meet them in their living rooms right now. Father, those that are having weeping nights, for those that are crying, God, out to you, uh, Father, looking for answers, God, I pray that, uh, Lord, that you would draw them close to yourself. God, you have been known for taking very painful situations, God, and bringing those that are far from you close to yourself. God, and through that, saving the hearts and lives of those that don't know you. So God, I pray that you take what seems like could be meaningless, God, and Father, you create something out of nothing. God, we pray for their family. We pray for Mia's family, God, that has lost a husband and a father. Lord, I just pray that you bring peace into their life, God. Bring comfort, Father. And once again, allow the gospel to work in hopeless situations that you can draw those that are far from you close to you your peace and your joy. Holy Spirit, do your work as you promised that you would. Jesus, you said you were sending the comforter. And so God, we just pray that Holy Spirit, you accomplish everything that these families need you to accomplish, God. God, we pray protection over our, our young people in this city. God, that you just look after them. God, until we've found closure, until we've met that God, but you uh, have called us to a time such as this in a hurting and broken world. And so God, senseless acts, uh, God, I, I don't believe honestly are going to stop because sin is rampant. And so God, we just pray protection over our young people, God not just of this church, but of this community, of this city, God. 
Just place your hands around them, Father, a hedge around them, God. Give us moments, give us opportunities, God, to take the gospel into those communities, God, so that we can see all those whom you desire to save, saved, God, all those whom you uh, will draw close to yourself, God, that you uh, would draw them close to yourself. Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. God, I just pray over our body tonight. Just lift your hands across this place now. God, I pray for every person that is here, God. Those that may know you or those that may not know you, God. And if those that don't know you, God, I pray that John 6, in the Bible would do its work and that the Holy Spirit, no one comes to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws them. And if you are in this place right now and you are uh, at a place, even if life is going great or if life is going terrible, I can tell you this, that at the end of this life, there will come a moment where you stand before the creator of the universe and you will have to answer for everything that you have done in your life. But here is the beauty of the gospel is that when you don't have an answer, that we've all screwed up. The, the Bible says that all have fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We've all messed up. And so what makes us uh, able to stand in front of God righteous is not that we've done anything great. It's that we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And if you are in this place tonight and, and you are uh, maybe at the end of your rope or maybe everything's going just fine, but you will admit that you don't know that if you die tonight, you are going to heaven. I want to invite you to put your faith in Jesus Christ, that when he went to the cross, that when he gave his life on the cross, that he took your sin upon himself and that when he died perfect on the cross, he paid the price for you that you could never pay yourself. And the beauty of it is you don't have to do anything. There's no works. You can't be good enough but that the gospel is available to you right now. All you have to do is repent and put your faith in Jesus Christ. If that's you tonight, I'm gonna ask you to join the whole body in prayer. And we're gonna pray right now. And as you pray this prayer, this prayer does not make you saved. Putting your faith in Jesus Christ is what makes you saved but I wanna invite you to make a public proclamation with your mouth right now that you are surrendering to Jesus Christ. You are putting your faith in what he did on the cross and you are stepping into the glory and the majesty of Jesus Christ in your life today. And so I wanna invite you to repeat this prayer after me and the whole church is gonna join you. You won't be doing it by yourself. So church, let's join those that wanna accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior tonight and say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. Make me pure. Make me clean. Make me whole. Take my broken life and put it back together. I recognize you died on the cross and that you rose three days later through your death and through your life. I can be saved. I trust in you. I put my faith in you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, push your hands together for all of those that prayed that.
Pastor, the very first time.